Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis the Fourteenth, and this is a B-side episode. Before we get into this week's topic, I want to take care of a couple housekeeping things. First, Gorgeous Gorgeous, my new party in LA is happening on July 16th. That's a Saturday. If you are in the greater LA area, if you love pop music, if you are a queer person or someone who loves queer people, please come out and enjoy the party. The tickets are cheap and the link to buy them will be in the show notes of this episode. I really hope to see you there and to meet some of you guys and to have a really fun night together. So gorgeous, gorgeous, Saturday, July 16th. Be there or be square. Don't forget to rate and review Pop Pantheon wherever you listen to podcasts. This really, really helps the show get in front of more people. It helps get it picked up by the Apple Podcast algorithm. If you have a second and you have a nice thing to say, jump on Apple Podcasts in the review section and leave us five stars and tell us why you like the show. I read them all. I read some of them on air. So I really appreciate you for doing that. Of course, follow us on social media at Pop Pantheon Pod. Follow me at DJ L-O-U-I-E-X-I-V on Twitter and Instagram. Hop in our Discord, which is a total blast. A great community of pop fans and pop fanatics who love to chit-chat all day. And check out the Spotify playlist for this and every episode. The links for all of that will be in the show notes and also in my bios and stories on Instagram. And I will also put them on Twitter. So this B-side episode is about a timely topic, the song of summer. We have one every summer. It's a little bit of an opaque topic. We never quite know exactly what's going to make a song the song of summer. I went into this conversation a little bit on the fence about how to quantify what the song of summer actually is. And luckily, I had a true expert on the podcast. I have the director of music at Billboard, Jason Lipschitz, who is a Song of Summer fanatic. He was also our guest on our Lord episode, which you should definitely go back and check out. So this was a really fun conversation. We talk a little bit about the history of the Song of Summer. We try to define the Song of Summer to the best of our abilities. We talk about some of the recent Songs of Summer and whether they feel like they represent the spirit of the Song of Summer, and then we also pontificate about what this year's Song of Summer will be and name our top three Songs of Summer throughout history each at the end of the show. And I think you guys might be surprised about what is on my list. So without further ado, here is my conversation about Song of Summer with Jason Lipshin. All right, so I am here with Executive Director of Music at Billboard, Jason Lipschitz. Jason, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be back on. We're excited to have you back on, and I know that you constantly think I'm gassing you up when I tell you that listeners really loved our Lord episode, but it's true. Like, I'm wondering now, like I'm having this existential question of like, do I come across as insincere when I say things? But Jason, you are a fabulous guest. You have a lot of deep insights on pop music. You have a jovial and inviting personality. What is not to like? This is too kind. Uh, I, <laughs> I appreciate all of those things. And listen, congrats to you on building a really fun, regular podcast. And if anyone's listening to this podcast and has not checked out all of your other ones, like 
go do the deep dive because those things are a total blast. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. It's certainly a labor of love. So <laughs> glad that people are enjoying and listening to it. And I would also say the other thing about you, Jason, is your light. You have a sunshiny personality, which really gets us into our conversation today, which is about, how do you like that transition? Which is love about it. the song of summer, the concept of the song of summer. This is a tried and true trope in pop stardom, in pop music. It's a topic that, of course, comes around once a year. It is often fiercely debated, although I will say it sometimes feels a little unclear about what exactly constitutes one of these things. Having a song of summer feels like it can change the trajectory of a pop star's career. And I'm excited today to get into a conversation with you because you work for the grand marshal of chart metrics. <laughs> billboard so i know that some of the ways that we calculate a song of summer has to do with like literally what is just the biggest song of the summer but i guess one of my first questions and how i maybe want to get into this conversation is is the song of summer something that is purely based on what is the biggest metric hit of the summer or is there more to it is there a vibe is there a feeling is there a je ne sais quoi about some of these songs that make them about something other than just being the number one song of a given summer yeah it's it's a good question and i think that it's something that we're always trying to wrestle with how much of the song of the summer debate which you know we're chart geeks over at billboard we're always talking about whoa does this song that's starting to take off in april or may have a chance to be the song of the summer for this year and sometimes it is about a vibe and oh this song sounds like a summer song it sounds like it's going to be perfect at beach parties and barbecues and what people do during the summer months and sometimes it's just like oh wow this is old town road it's the biggest hit of this or any year and and sure. it happens to be enjoying its chart run during the summer. So sometimes it's a little bit coincidental. To answer your question, just in terms of how it's calculated, it is purely on Hot 100 points. Uh, right. There's no secret sauce of like Hot 100 plus this shadowy summer committee <laughs> bouncing around a beach ball and saying, this is the song of summer, actually. No, it really is just... Hot 100 points. I think that if anyone knew the exact metrics of the Hot 100, they could calculate them themselves. Usually it's not that shocking what is number one. I always enjoy when there is a little bit of drama. The classic example that always comes to my mind is 2014 when it was either going to be Iggy Azalea Fancy or mm -hmm. Rude by Magic. Now look, you can have your opinions <laughs> about those two songs. Oh my God, that was a rough summer for all of us. What a, a bleak summer. summer. <laughs> bleak summer for uh, humanity. My God, tough. those were our two choices. Oh that was the tough time. But the reason why there was drama was because Fancy dominated the first half of the summer and then Rude dominated the second half. And it really was like one was number one for seven weeks. The other one was number one for six weeks. It depended on how much one was ahead by the other one and versus the non-number one weeks. And Fancy, big congrats to Iggy Azalea and Charlie XCX, came out on top.
But more often than not, it's, oh, this is the summer of Despacito. It's going to blow out everything in its path or Old Town Road. And then last year with Butter by BTS, kind of the same thing. Sometimes they start a little bit later than others. But yeah, I mean, it's all Hot 100 points. And even when it's a drama-free Song of the Summer race, it's still fascinating to me. So you're talking about the way Billboard in particular calculates Song of the Summer, but that's only been going on for what, the last... 10, 12 years. Yeah, so I did my research before yes. this podcast because I was, Thank we got you. a lot of questions about the Song of the Summer chart and we had been talking about the Song of the Summer chart and we had launched it in 2010, which is actually the year I got hired at Billboard way back when. So you basically we, ushered in the Song of the Summer era at Billboard. It was part of my negotiation to sign on. I, I was basically like, I need health benefits and a Song of the Summer chart. <sighs> Wow. Your legacy. Your legacy. They were like, do you want a 401k? They're like, and I'm like, like, no, I just want the song of the summer. Because it was all hot 100 points. And for those who don't know, this is a chart that Billboard launches around Memorial Day, and then it ends in Labor Day. So basically, from those two holidays, the period in between is how we calculate the song of the summer, considering those chart weeks. So because of that, we could retroactively go back through every year that had a hot 100 and say, oh, actually, in 2003, Crazy in Love was the song of the summer because of, you know, looking at the hot 100 points that year. So it really began in earnest in 2010 with the launch of the song of the summer chart. But the talk about song of the summer obviously predates 2010 the phrase predates 2010 it was mentioned a bunch in music journalism in the 80s and 90s even though it was kind of a colloquialism something that was a little bit casual of just deeming something the song of the summer to me and i don't know if you want to get into the history of it oh do i want to get into the history of it jason please (laughs) you said you were a pop pantheon listener you know Listen, I want to get into the history. I, want to the history. I should I don't I shouldn't have even had to qualify. <laughs> but I will say the one song that really is the definition of song of the summer. And look, I was a kid when it came out, but it still comes across my mind as the classic song of the summer and maybe helped popularize the term. Maybe it didn't. But in my mind, it did is the Macarena in 1996. Mm. <laughs> Something that was absolutely inescapable. It was totally singular. And I'll tell you what, if you ask me to remember one thing about the Macarena, it'll be at my childhood swim club where my sister and I would go into these big pools. And every day we were there in the summer of 1996, the DJ who was in the middle of the swim club would stop and say, (laughs) it's Macarena time. And all the kids would get out of the pool, they would play Macarena, and all the kids would stand around the pool doing the dance. And it was just like this kind of cult phenomenon, and I say cult with a, you know, like it really was like the cult of Los Del Rio. The image of all of you like in your swim (laughs) trunks like doing the dance is just beyond precious. I also think a pretty good example of what a Song of Summer should in its most basic form like give you, which is that it's stupid in a good way like it's frivolous it's dumb it's got a novelty quality to it it's super bright it's not particularly heavy this is why i get into and like it's hard to know like what comes first the chicken or the egg like maybe artists are prone to releasing these types of songs in the summer because they want to respond to the environment but like as a total thought experiment i know this was not a song of summer but like let's say 
Adele's someone like you happened to peak in the middle of a summer. Like that would be by Billboard's metrics, the song of summer. But to me, I would just be like, how can this be the song of summer? This is not summer in a song. So it feels like to me, there does have to be, I mean, maybe again, maybe not by the exact charts that you guys measure things by, but I feel like a song of summer should have some summeriness to it. Should have some of these particular qualities. Yeah. And it's interesting because we've seen over the course of my time at Billboard, we've had instances where something that doesn't feel like a song of the summer will then be usurped by something that does have that kind of fun frivolous vibe as you're describing the one that immediately comes to mind is in 2015 you had see you again by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth which was just Mm -hmm. this absolutely enormous song it was so big it was so sad it was R.I.P. Paul Walker all spring And people loved it. I'm it sorry, was, I'm not know, laughing it... at Paul Walker's death. I'm just <laughs> laughing at the idea of the Song of Summer being this somber, slow tribute to Paul Walker's untimely passing. <laughs> so that song started off the summer as this enormous hit. And it was like, man, this is a strange summer if this kind of tribute song is going to be number one. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. And there's been like some precedent in 1997. You had Puff Daddy, I'll Be Missing You was the song in the summer. And then very slowly but surely, this overseas hit that was very silly, Cheerleader by Omi, started Mm, coming up, took out See You Again, Song of the Summer, Cheerleader by Omi. If you're going to a desert island and you can only take one song with you and it's either Cheerleader by Omi or Magic's Rude, what are you taking to the Oh, Cheerleader, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's not even a content. I am definitely a defender of Cheerleader. I don't even know if I like Cheerleader, but I still will defend it. I will... It's not hard to defend (laughs) it against Rude, I guess. That's not exactly Yeah, it's true, too. I will defend... Omi's follow-up single, which was not a hit, called Hula Hoop. That song's really fun. Oh my God. I really I, Definitely I wish that listened song to that exactly <laughs> one time the day it came out. But someone has to. Somebody has to be here for the rest of Omi's career, and that person is you. Listen, I did a quick deep dive, you know, just to get a little cursory research in here. And one thing that was interesting to me, first of all, this just I have to share as a funny anecdote. So Vox did like a deep dive at some point into like just the use of the term. And in 19 19- there was apparently some article in the New York Tribune about the most popular, most bought records of whatever, what did they even call them in 1910 records? I don't know, 1910. And the quote that was given in this piece says, what will the song be this season? Will it be humorous? Will it be sentimental? Will it be unmitigated trash? Will it at least be bearable? Blah, 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 blah. But the funniest quote, it says, it is a song that the drunk is going to sing and that will be the song that is going to be the most popular. Something along those lines. The song that the drunk is going to sing. 
And I also feel like that maybe permeates some of the spirit of Song of Summer, which is that it should be something that you enjoy with a libation and an outdoor gathering in a sort of peaceful summer haze. It should be able to function in that way, it feels like to me. In the platonic ideal, I'm not saying it always is this, but if you're going to say the platonic ideal. The other thing I was going to say is that I read an article by prior Pop Pantheon guest Chris Malamphy of Hit Parade and Slate fame. And before Billboard codified this into like a chart, it seemed like it was a little bit more about, yes, it had to be a hit. It had to definitely be one of the biggest hits of the summer, but it also felt like there was a little bit more looseness around like whether or not it was quote unquote, like the biggest hit of the summer. And he cites one of the most important moments for this as Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith's summertime in 1993, which only peaked at number three and Toto on the Hot 100. But like, like, is just capturing the feeling of summer and was a hit during that summer and sort of like has the vibe of hazy summer afternoon. School is out and this is sort of a buzz. But back then I didn't really know what it was. But now I see what happened is the way that people respond to summer madness. The weather is hot and girls are dressing less and checking out the fellas to tell them who's best. Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's back in. That was the part that made me have some like questions about could the Song of Summer or could, or, and like I guess this could be a personal decision on everyone's behalf. I mean, it's not like somebody's forcing you to claim the Song of Summer that Billboard tells you, but it just made me wonder like, I guess maybe there was a period of time where it was more up for debate because also I pulled up some charts from other websites and like you could go through them and it seems like once Billboard started listing them it became very uniform in terms of what these articles were claiming as the Song of Summer for each year but prior to that it seemed to be like there was some amount of disagreement on some of these reflective charts on what was the Song of Summer in each year so just interesting little tidbit. Yeah, no, and, and the thing is, we see that every year as well at Billboard in the sense of editorial pieces that are like, you know what's actually the song of the summer? <laughs> this Mitski song that maybe you don't know. And like, that's fine. Like, if no, people want... No, that is not what I'm saying. I just want to be clear. The song has to be a hit. It has to be a hit. There's no question about it. I think that seems like for sure. Like it has to be a giant song that's playing everywhere that you're hearing like out of car windows. And like, as I said, at a barbecue, you're, it's ubiquitous. There's no, I don't think you can say it's a Mitski song. Sorry. Like, unless you like never leave Bushwick or something, but like, otherwise I feel like it does have to be a hit. I just want a contingency plan in case a someone like you esque song or a Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa esque song happens to usurp this thing and ruin the spirit because I think summer has a particular vibe and that's why we're so into the idea of having a song of summer. It's not like we have a song of fall, right? No, I. We. it's funny because we've joked about our chart team is like, because I write a lot about the song of the summer and they're like, why haven't you written about song of the fall, song of the winter? I remember a couple years ago, there was one song that really started taking off during the fall and it was Stitches by Shawn Mendes. And I was mm -hmm. like, this song is the song of the fall. <laughs> Sometimes there's not a song of the fall, but it's like chilly. It's like you can picture yourself buying a pumpkin pumpkin spice latte while Sean Mendes is singing about his teenage heartbreak. That's great. But you know, not every year has a song of the fall Fucking or love winter or spring. Stitches. I, I really, great I'm, song. A big, I'm a big Stitches fan. So, yeah. okay. That's kind of like the establishing ideas here in your mind. Like, and we've touched on this slightly. Ideally, what should a song of summer 
have going for it? How should it feel? What should the vibe of it be? We've talked a little bit about this, but just maybe from your perspective, ideally, again, the charts don't lie and we're talking to you. So we got it. We know we're, we're filial to the charts, but <laughs> ideally, if you could construct in a lab your ideal song of summer, like how should it feel? I think that ideally a song of the summer should just have one element, which is being a tribute to Paul Walker. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, I was I think... like literally on bated breath being like, what is he going to say? He's, really, he's got the one thing. He has the one ingredient ready to go. I think it's basically two things. Ideally, it is up-tempo and yes. it's inclusive. And by inclusive, mm. I mean not just a underground up-tempo anthem in any genre really look you can have a great indie rock song i'm picking on mitski a little bit but she's like the perfect the i, and I love mitski but like yeah say there's like a really cool up-tempo mitski song that's great i don't think that's going to be the song of the summer because it's too underground you have to be inclusive yes. you have to be mainstream in that way mm -hmm. and that's why you look back at the last couple of years you have stuff like despacito you have in my feelings like you have these songs that transcend their core audiences and are just dominating on that level while also encouraging dances and also mm -hmm. encouraging cross-generational listeners, especially something like a Despacito, obviously the, the multilingual aspect of it, but also people who are in their 50s and 60s love that as mm -hmm. the same as teens. Like, I think that that's really important to being, oh, this is a top-notch summer song. Mm -hmm. I think Despacito and In My Feelings are great examples also of a certain breeziness. I just feel like there's, like, I in an ideal situation, these songs, throw them on in the car, you open the windows, and it sort of washes over you and feels, sorry to use this term, but like a vibe. Like, it's just, yeah. it feels easy to consume, not complicated, relaxed, on some level. I mean, maybe it's a turn up song, but even like Omi's another good example of this. Like these are breezy, easy to engage with records. Do you love me? Are you writing? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you always, JT. Do you love me? Are you writing? Say you never ever leave from beside me. I think sometimes it's nice if they're a little bit sexy because summer's kind of a yeah. sexier season. Like winter's not particularly sexy. Like I like when the song feels maybe a little sweaty. I think that's it's a good thing to have in your corner for a song of summer, I would say either. And then I think extra points if it's about summer. I think every once in a while, we get a California Girls, we get a moment where the song really is explicitly about summer and summer activities and warm weather activities. And I think if you're going to create the platonic ideal of Song of Summer in a lab, Summertime by Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith also speaks to this, perhaps it's also implicitly or explicitly about the summer or about things one does in the summer. Yeah. And also just like kind of extending on that gathering and partying and celebrating like, you yes. know, you think about like party rock anthem in 2011, like that song's not about summertime, but it certainly has a summer vibe of like, it's literally called party rock anthem. So it's, <laughs> it's certainly primed for summer of being outside and with people and not like January in a hoodie at home. Party rock is in the I've not tried to listen to Party Rock Anthem in January, but maybe I will. Honestly, Party Rock Anthem goes down easy any time of the year. 
Yeah, sure. I think that's a really good point because summer is a very like life affirming season. I think that's why people love it so much. It's the time where you feel the freest to be out, be free, be relaxed, be with your friends. And I think the song that can soundtrack that feels like ideally that's going to be the song of the summer. So limping this back a little bit to Pop Pantheon's mission statement here. Are there notable examples of artists having songs of summer that have like launched their career or changed the trajectory of their career or like where having a song of summer has been meaningful in a pop star's career trajectory? You know, I mentioned that Billboard started the song of the summer chart and officially started it in 2010. And I think that if you look at the run from 2010 to 2013, you could throw in 2014 as well. But if you look at 2010, you mentioned California Girls, Katy Perry was already a rising star because of Hot and Cold and I Kissed mm-hmm. a Girl, but California Girls cemented her as like, the, okay, she's going to own this moment in pop music. To your point, it was a perfect summer song. And then mm-hmm. going into the early 2010s, that was such an up-tempo time in pop music in general. And mm-hmm. I think that as Billboard established the Song of the Summer chart, people started to really pay attention to like, okay, what's going to be the song of the summer? There's all of these turbo pop songs happening at once. What's going to stand out? So then you have Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Perfect example of a song of summer being the arrival of a future, um, what do I want to call her? Not superstar per se, but (laughs) certainly a beloved pop figure. Perfect song of the summer, I think, on so many levels because it's light, it's fun, it's flirty, it's a little bit like sexy, but in a cutesy, could be enjoyed by children kind of way. I think Song of Summer can't necessarily be sexy in like a, you know, my neck, my back sort of way. It's got to be more. Oh yeah, it's gotta flirty. Be, as you said, flirty's the perfect word. Flirty, right. But also Carly Rae Jepsen's career wouldn't be even what it is today without having had this big moment and this song really like spoke to that season. So I think maybe that's a really good example of a Song of Summer that had a profound impact on a star's arrival on the scene. And the strange thing about that year was the song that was number one right before it is the exact opposite of Call Me Maybe, which is somebody that I used to know by Gautier. <laughs> okay, that was the song I kept wanting to bring up as like, if this was Crown Song of Summer, we would have to riot. It like, would be so would sad. To, we would all be outside Billboard's headquarters, like with signs and marching in circles saying like, you have to change the rules, kids. Like we can't have somebody that I used to know be the song of the summer. That is not allowed. Okay, anyway. But it looks like, weirdly enough, and I'm sure you're going to keep going through this list, a lot of times the songs just naturally seem to line up with the vibe. So next year we have everybody's favorite. Blurred Lines. It's back. (laughs) And that was kind of the year of like the disco revival with Daft Punk and Treasure by Bruno Mars. And it was very kind of like a throwback vibe that summer. But again, I think all of those years were really emblematic of what was happening in pop music where you had Katy Perry, LMFAO, Carly Rae, and then Blurred Lines, like they really were like, okay, this is the biggest song of this summer. And it was Mm -hmm. undeniable and it fit perfectly. Later in the 2010s, it gets a little bit wonky, which we'll get to. But that was really, to me, the peak of Song of the Summer concept in the sense of Mm -hmm. 
okay, these are the inescapable songs. And also, look, I think part of it is we, as a more fragmented listenership now, will get songs that are enormous hits, but not, might not be like every quadrant enormous hit. Sure, where, sure. In the same way that like Butter by BTS might not have been as inescapable as a Blurred Lines. You heard Blurred Lines right. in the summer of 2013. You heard yeah, that right. everywhere on radio. Right. It was top of streaming. It was on right. YouTube and TV all the time. And now you just kind of don't have that. And that's no artist's fault or no song's fault. But like that was really the monoculture still existing to me. You know what's really interesting also about some of these early 2010 songs, Save California Girls, is that looping them back to the Macarena, they're all kind of like weird novelty flukes in a lot of these artists careers like California Girls is obviously the exception here which was like one step on a ongoing trajectory of superstardom for that artist Party Rock Anthem essentially novelty hit obviously we had sexy and I know it or whatever the next year or whatever but like it was essentially the peak and beginning and end of LMFAO's dominance call me maybe was carly ray jepson's one and only true smash that in retrospect feels like a total and utter anomaly in her discography blurred lines similarly robin thick was like a niche r&b crooner whatever and then had this randomly huge smash and then sort of never had one again and then 2014 iggy azalea yet another flash in the pan huge moment for an artist that then receded really quickly or it was kind of a fluke so that's an interesting run there of like songs that share that in common well and then that's Street gets broken by the all-time superstar Omi sure. in 2015. Um, <laughs> not a fluke mean- at all. <laughs> Cheerleader, I looked this up recently. I don't know why I looked this up, but I, de- I definitely did. The song of the summer of 2015 is Omi's only Hot 100 hit. He's never charted on the Hot 100 other than that song. Uh, which is yeah, pretty, that's which, not that's surprising. That's pretty hard to, considering pretty that you, hard just to na- do. you just named his second song, and I literally have thought about it since the day it came out. So 2016, though, was... Was Drake one dance, right? Do I have that right? Yeah. That really did break the streak at that point. Because then yeah. you're dealing with a really <laughs> established artist just having another big hit. Yeah, exactly. And then you look at the back half of the 2010s, you got two Drake songs. And it's interesting because One Dance grew into a pretty big hit and stayed atop the Hot 100 for a while. In My Feelings, so that came out on Scorpion, which was out the last week of June. It it basically would be like if the Song of the Summer was released this week or in late June. Oh, interesting. Um, Oh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you like what the history of that kind of thing is. Like, when do they generally drop? So usually they come out pretty early, but In My Feelings was an anomaly up until probably the last year or two because that came out in late June. That was an early iteration of TikTok where the Kiki Do You Love Me dances, they just immediately went viral. And Scorpion, that Drake album, already had two big hits in God's Plan and Nice For What. He was working I'm Upset as his single when that album came out. That song did not happen. But then Mm -hmm. the album came out, In My Feelings wasn't like a big focus push. No, it was like a real organic thing. yeah. Yeah, and then it totally popped off. And then in between those two Drake songs, you have these year dominating songs Despacito in 2017 Old Town Road in 2019 where it's just like they were enormous already and just kind of spilled over into the rest mm-hmm. of the summer yeah I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road I'm gonna ride till I can't no more I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road I'm gonna ride till I 
Right. And also, like, I feel like Despacito fits a little bit into that novelty vibe. Despacito, I agree with you, it was a novelty in the sense of it's not like Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee have been like right. scoring hit after hit afterward. Sure, I will sure, say sure. that that song was certainly representative of all of the Spanish language and Latin pop that was coming right. in the years to come of like Mi Gente and everything Bad Bunny's done. So we'll talk about BTS who had Song of the Summer last year of like Dynamite and then Butter after that being Songs of the Summer being emblematic of K-pop takeovers. But I think Despacito was a little bit different than a cheerleader in this, just in the sense right. of like, first of all, it was much bigger. And second of all, it was like, okay, Okay, this is Latin music's huge US mainstream moment for sure. I agree that it was a harbinger, but I think what I mean by novelty more is the fact that a lot of these songs don't feel like Drake and Katie, notwithstanding, do not feel like a plot point in a like tier one or two superstars overarching career trajectory. Sometimes they feel like they maybe come out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk about this year. What is going on this year? Who are the major contenders and like, how are they all stacking up at the moment? So... I guess you have to start with the one that is in the lead right now. It's got to be As It Was by Harry Styles. I think that's like the odds on favorite to be number one. It's kind of what I was just talking about, which is even if As It Was doesn't return to number one on the Hot 100 for the rest of this year, because it was number one for a good part of the last month, and it will be in the top five, top ten, probably the rest of this summer, it's going to have enough chart points to kind of get it there. So a couple years ago, Harry Styles actually had two songs in the top 10 of the Song of the Summer chart in Watermelon Sugar, which is, you were talking about like flirty. Yes, uh, perfect song of summer vibe. Perfect song of summer vibe. Watermelon Sugar High, Watermelon Sugar And then Adore Mm -hmm. You was also pretty big during that summer as Mm -hmm. well. As It Was came out in the first week of April and hit number one. And it's become the biggest hit of his career. And because it's carried over into May and now June, I think it's got a great shot. I... This is one of my frustrating points because like as it was, yes, could it slot into some of the tropes we were talking about for Song of Summer? Yes, but it doesn't totally hit me as like a this is summer vibe in the way that another song that this is not an artist I tend to be an apologist for, but this song has gotten under my skin is the Lizzo song. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which like to me really does feel like a Song of Summer to me. It's light. It's fun. It's uplifting. It's stupid in a good way. It's got a lot of catchphrases to it. It's got a TikTok dance. It's perfect for a barbecue. It's perfect for listening at the beach. It's perfect for listening in the car.
So does that have a shot? I think so. I definitely think that it'll be an interesting next couple weeks for that. So right now, About Damn Time is number four on our Song of the Summer chart. It has risen, I believe, as high as number four on the Hot 100 as well. That's a song that started off really slowly. That song did not like debut super high when it was released in April. But because it had a TikTok dance, it started exploding and then radio snapped into formation just Mm -hmm. by like being like, oh, actually, this song is great for summer top 40 radio. I think that if this were a different summer right now it's just a really crowded time we were talking about this in the office yesterday where it's like you know you have new drake you have no new Mm -hmm. beyonce you have Mm -hmm. harry's going strong you have Mm -hmm. future and you have this whole kate bush thing and you know it's just it's it's a very (laughs) kate bush Bush has to have the song of summer 2022 please that would just be the best thing ever (laughs) with like that song doesn't have any of the typical markers of a song of summer it's like very dark and serious and plotting <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you told me like two months ago, hey, it's it's going to be the <laughs> midway point of the Song of the Summer chart, and number five on that list will be one of your favorite all-time songs, Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush mm-hmm. from 1985, mm-hmm. I'd be like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on in our society? <laughs> I was reading your like super early predictions. I think you published this like maybe in April or May on Billboard. There was one song on there that I wish could be in contention, but doesn't feel like it's going to be. It really like feels like a sexy summer vibe to me. Is Doja Cat's "Woman"? I well, yeah. I and and that's it, it's funny you mention that because that is exactly what we were talking about in terms of just being a crowded time right now. Because I think that in February, March, April, right before kind of Harry's drop and Jack Harlow dropped, it was such a sleepy time on the Hot 100 near the top. It literally was like, if you're Glass Animals or you're the Encanto cast, you are thriving on the top of the Hot 100. Everybody else can kind of kick rocks. And Mm -hmm. I think if Woman had taken off a little bit earlier, I think it would have been a number one hit. I think that song's undeniable. It's not going to peak as high as I had hoped or expected just because it's being crowded out. And it's also like the, what, fifth, sixth single from that record that's been spinning off hits for like over a year at this point. So I don't think she's hurting. What is Break My Soul looking like in terms of, from your perspective at Billboard, like is that going to be a bona fide hit this summer, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, so it debuted at number 15 on the Hot 100 this week, and it's already picking up real steam at radio. So mm. I don't think it'll be in contention for Song of the Summer just because it's arriving too late. It, it l- literally would have to spend the next four or five weeks at, at least in the top five to really right. be in contention. But right. yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be one of the defining hits of the summer for sure. All right. So that's good to hear. I know the listeners of the podcast are very, very curious about the fortune. Oh, really? Okay. My oh my God. Our Discord for the last... 10 days has essentially just been debating whether or not Break My Soul is actually a hit and like trying to make sense of the number 15 debut. Like some people being like, that's a flop. And some people being like, 
it only had three days and there's no music video yeah. and whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I, you that, think about I how, how high it could have debuted if it didn't come out on a Monday night in the tracking week, you know? So the moral of this story is that this is Harry's to lose at this point in 2022. I think as it was, has the inside track. I mean, I bring up in my feelings because if something drops in the next week or two that just is completely dominant and maybe and maybe that is the Beyonce song and maybe that's this Drake song that debuted at number one I, I don't mm-hmm. think it, that sounds like a summer song but like it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple weeks near the top of the hot 100 but I would give as it was the inside track right now okay so I want to finish our conversation by doing a list because that's what's really Ooh. fun for everybody to do. I want us to name our three favorite songs of summer ever. Personal. This is just about your personal opinion about your three favorite songs of summer ever. I'm going to preface and say maybe some of mine don't like meet the billboard requirement. And I hope that that's okay. Definitely they all of them do since 2010, I think. But I have some ones from earlier that maybe I'm not sure. You might have to fact check me now that we've had this discussion. But there are songs that were big hits in their summer and feel like songs of summer to me. So why don't you kick us off? What's your first favorite song of summer of all time? So it's a great question. I really agonized over this a little bit. So the first one I want to I love creating agony for my guests. That's really (laughs) what I'm here for. The first one I want to mention is a song, and these all have a little bit of a personal investment in them. Sure. The first one is from 2015. It was the number six song of the summer that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is by the rapper Fetty Wap. Of course. Uh, iconic. Called, the iconic Fetty Wap. An iconic called... four-hit wonder. <laughs> one of the only. One of the only to have this title. So when Trap Queen came out, I got married in September 2015. Yeah. And when... Trap Queen came out, it really did dominate a lot of that summer. So my memories of that are dancing to Trap Queen just so euphorically at a, like a seedy New Orleans club mm. that was blasting rap music for my bachelor party. And then Love also it. dancing with my wife to Trap Queen at our wedding. Mm. A multi-use song, a song that really can exist in so many different settings and formats, which speaks to its song of summeriness. I'm like, hey, what's up, hello? Since you're pretty ass, soon as you came in the door, I just want to chill, got a sack for us to roll. Married to the money, introduced her to my stove. Showed her how to whip and now she remixed it for low. She my track queen, let her hit the bando. We be counting Great karaoke song, great song if you're outside and a car passes and it's playing Trap Queen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you do the Hey What's Up Hello. That's what you gotta do. Super bright, super joyful, effervescent, ebullient. It makes selling drugs sound like a romp, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. My first, I didn't live through. So I have no personal memories of what this summer felt like. However... I do feel that it is emblematic of the sexy, sweaty vibe that I believe A Song of Summer should have. And to appease you and make sure that I'm still on track somewhat with Billboard's standards and practices, this song was the number one song for five weeks during the weeks of July 14th through August 11th. In the summer of 1979, it is Bad Girls by Donna Summer. There you go.
Her name is Donna fucking Summer. So if she can't have a song of summer, who can? I mean, this is one of my all-time favorite songs, period. But I really feel like this song sounds like summer to me. It sounds like getting dressed, going out in like a balmy dusk in your finest to go have a party with your friends in the summer heat in like in New York City in particular is what I picture when I think about this song. You can feel the sweat on this one. And that's one of the reasons I think it feels like a really emblematic song of summer to me personally. I think it's a great choice. Thank you. So my next one, there's so many songs from the second half of the 90s that I really mm-hmm. could have picked. Such a fun time for pop music. Pop music was mm-hmm. kind of going every different direction. Yes. But this song to me just feels like summertime. It feels like sure. the sun is out and it's going to be a great day. And that song is Mbop by Hanson. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Speak on it, Jason. Number three, Song of the Summer in 1997. You don't listen to this song when it's cloudy out. You don't listen to no. this song when it's cold and you need a parka. Nope. This is when you just get to the beach and it's a beautiful day mm-hmm. and you're unloading the car and you want to sing some gibberish and it's mbop all the way. This song is a ray of sunshine, point blank yeah. period, in oral form. If you want to feel the sun on your face, you should put this song on. Excellent choice. I absolutely love that choice. Here's another one that, again, I hope meets Billboard metrics, but it did spend, I think, 12 weeks in the top spot on the Hot 100 in 1993 through the summer of 1993, which makes me believe that it has to be the song of summer for that year. It is That's the Way Love Goes by Jim Jackson. Again, to me, I think there's a theme here, which is another sort of sweaty R&B song that feels sexy in the most fun and lighthearted way possible. It's a song that is warm and inviting in the way that one might hope like a summer evening might be. And that's what summer also embodies to me on some level is like, that's when you feel the hottest, no pun intended. That's the sexy season. And I think this song is one of the sexiest pop songs of all time. And one of the brightest, nobody makes a song smile or have a sort of sunshiny vibe like Janet does. And so to me, this song feels like summer, feels like a summer evening, once again to me. So I had to pick that one. There you go. It is a fantastic (laughs) choice. Great Janet song. My last choice, first summer song. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Hot in Her by Nelly. The <laughs> yes. quintessential summer song. It's getting like, hot in here, so take off all your clothes. Is there any yeah. lyric that encapsulates the spirit of summer better than that? Pharrell's beat on that song it's mm-hmm. perfect. It perfectly matches the tone of what Nelly's doing. And that was the number one song of the summer in 2002 and like should have been number one for every year, honestly. So Honestly, a pinnacle Neptune's beat in a pretty unprecedented run of incredible 
Neptune's songs. And Nelly also is a great summer artist as well. Nelly likes to have a fun time. That's what, when I think about Nelly, I think about having a fun party outside and probably in a tank top because that's what I think about when I think about Nelly. (laughs) I'm going to shock the listeners of this podcast with my third favorite because I'm going to pick Katy Perry's California girls. I know that that's going to surprise the listeners who constantly have concocted this idea that I have something against Katy Perry, which I do not. But I love California girls. I think California girls represents the best of what Katy Perry can do when she is on the money with her Katy Perry-ness. And that song is the ultimate if I had a top that I could put down on my car, I would put the top down on my car. I would drive to the beach. Now that I live in LA for the last two years, it's even sunk in further how much this song captures a certain je ne sais quoi about this strange place. And I absolutely adore this song. And this song screams summer to me to the point where when I put it on in non-summer months or in colder climates, it transports me to the summer. So what could be better? It is idiotic the lyrics don't make sense snoop dogg is also on it it's everything i want in a song of summer is that your number one favorite Katy perry single no of course not teenage dream i'm i've taste <laughs> so that's about it from me at this point jason do you have any closing thoughts here you want to share with our audience about the song of summer you know i think that i just encourage people to care about the song of the summer because mm. you know what it's a silly thing. I have one colleague at Billboard who's always every year is like, why do why do you talk about why do you care about this so much? It's such a silly thing. It's just based on the Hot 100 and nobody pays attention in terms of like what finishes number one. And there's not like a ticker tape parade for what the number one song of the summer is. Why do you? And I'm like, because it's fun. It's it's yeah. fun to get wrapped up in. Like, oh, this song will be the number one song in the summer, and that's great. We all need a little bit more frivolity in our lives. I agree. More silly shit. Things are decidedly unsilly at the moment, and we could use some more silly shit in our lives, I think. I agree. All right, so I'm going to send this podcast out on California Girls just to throw that in my listeners' faces. Jason Lipschitz, (laughs) thank you so, so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. 